0: Please listen carefully. So, welcome in everyone. We got another episode of the Heard It Here podcast. It is a pleasure to have y'all in here with me. And it is a pleasure to have our first ever recurring guest on the podcast, Adam Doe of the Doe Post. Adam, welcome back to the
1: pod. What up, Coop? I have two questions for you. Does this mean I'm officially a friend of the pod? And two, will What Up Coop retire What Up deck one day in the podcasting world?
0: I would say number one, I, I I'm not sure that the podcast is uh, mentally capable of having friends yet. It's it's a little bit in the infancy still. That's like that's like your two three month old. Babies being friends, like yeah, they're friends, but you know, they're babies, so it doesn't really count. In that case, though, yes, absolutely. You, you are the uh, the nursery twin of the podcast. How about that, nursery neighbor?
1: Nice. I like the sound of that. Yes,
0: there we go. Um, and as for what up, Coop retiring, what up, Beck? I I I could see it. Coop is a good nickname. Coop was what they called me in high school lacrosse, because, um, you know, Cooper's too much.
1: And you have that one-syllable thing going ex- on. Exactly. But,
0: yeah. And it's better than being like, yo, heard! It's like, what? Like, you heard what? Like, you know? It's confusing. So they just go with the coop! Uh, I I kind of like it, actually. Yeah. No! So, brought you in here today, not to butter me up, well, a little bit to butter me up, but also... To talk a little of your hometown, LA Lakers. Lakers are four and one uh, thus far in the season. The pairing of LeBron James and Anthony Davis has looked absolutely dynamic. Just to start it off, any words you wanted to say? Just any first impressions you've had from the team so far? How how are you feeling, just as a fan?
1: Coop, I gotta say. Me as a Lakers fan and I think I for all Lakers fans too, we've been we've been waiting for this kind of success in the season. I, like last year it was just LeBron and it looked, it looked a lot better. But uh, you could kinda tell that he needed help winning games or at least closing out games, so we just feel we just feel and look a lot better this year as a team, I think. And we're technically on a four game winning streak. I can't tell you when the last time that happened was. I remember a lot of like 3 game winning streaks, but 4 games, that's a lot. And today we're going against the Spurs and to be able to get a 5 game winning streak, I that'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I got to be honest, you know, 4 4 wins in a row, I mean,
0: that's tough, man. That's tough. That's something I would usually expect last year's Phoenix Suns to be pulling off, you know. <laughs> That's more of a Suns thing, you know, the four-game win streaks. But, no, I mean, you are right. And it hasn't been necessarily all tough competition, but to beat the Jazz um, and the the Mavericks as well, the Mavericks are certainly looking like a good team this season, those were two very good wins. Um, And I did want to ask you which of these five games so far, so opening night versus the Clippers, their only loss of the season – and then consecutive wins versus Utah, Charlotte, Memphis, and Dallas. In which of these two, and uh, which of these five games, do you think we saw the the most insights um, that that would be helpful in gauging how this Lakers team works out in the long run?
1: I gotta go with like Dallas, right? And if not mm-hmm. Dallas, then I surely would have gone for Utah. Probably, I feel like those uh, those two teams are the strongest out of the. Well, Clippers are. They were really good on opening night, but something something happened between game one and game five, right? So, but I'd say the matchups like, uh, told us a lot. I'd say Dallas for sure, just because of how extraordinary Luka Doncic is and uh, how much KP has proven. Um, uh, he's proven himself again as like he's not just a, a injured player anymore, and. I just remember checking the scores for for that game, for the Dallas game. And we were just down for a lot of the game. And then we just came back. Danny Green shot that last minute three, tied it, and won it in overtime. I just just think that Dallas game was the most telling for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think you're probably right to point to the most competitive teams posing the most challenging games and obviously proven the most insightful in the long run, especially that Dallas game. I, I, I think I agree that that may be the most insightful, maybe the Utah game. I, I, it would be a toss up between the two, um, but that Dallas game, I think it's, it can't be undersold the fire that Luca had coming out in that game. I and mean, we've, we saw last season, he is just a player that rises to the occasion he likes to play in big games, and he plays well in them. Very often, we saw that against the Lakers. He had what, like thirty-five points, fifteen assists. I mean, he was electric.
1: A um, similar, a similar stat line as LeBron, basically, and he's only twenty years old. He's younger than both of us. Right. Yeah. You didn't need to add that last part. Okay, that was a little mean. Okay. Like <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And I guess. Right, and Luca's incredible. Um, already, I, I think to be able to, especially as you said, they were down, and to be able to come back in that game against a very young, very exciting team with a lot of upward momentum around them, that's very impressive. It's very, it, it, I think it's you know one thing to come back against the Hornets, or it's one thing to come, even even one thing to come back against the Trailblazers per se. But these Mavericks, they team that once – I, I think they're very unpredictable to some extent. They just have a lot of upward and downward mobility. So for them to really uh, – for them to hit high in a game, so for them to do well in a game and get that lead against a dominant – a very good team like the Lakers, it's amazing to me that the Lakers would then be able to come back and beat this team when they are hot. Because I think when you've got those teams, they can be very hot and very cold. When they're hot, their players sort of have this emotional boost that you don't really get when you're consistently great, if that makes
1: sense. Right. And I think part of what you're saying, like, for the Lakers at least, is just how, how well they all play together so early in the season, you know? And they have, they have, they have room to improve, but I'm, I'm, I still love what I'm seeing just – by, by like how, how much like chemistry they have with all each other.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's certainly been very promising. Um, I think it's pretty interesting to look, obviously, uh, you talked about the chemistry of the team as a whole. I do want to talk a little bit about the chemistry between Anthony Davis, the newly acquired superstar alongside LeBron this year. What about that pairing has gone about as you expected going to the season? Um, and, and has there been anything that caught you off guard, whether uh, positively or
1: negatively, about the two together? It's, it's going great. I think they're, the kind of chemistry they have is the uh, kind of chemistry that only comes when you have the same agent. You know, Rich Paul. The kind of chemistry that you only get when you both share the, the same agent and that agent got you on the same team. I think a couple of predictions went right for both of them. Uh, we've seen a couple games where LeBron kind of just took it easy and just let AD be the, the focus until, uh, until un- unless LeBron was needed or he just decided to come and score in the second half. I remember there was one game when like LeBron barely scored anything in the first half, but then he just came back and just put the work in in the second half. And then they just, LeBron and AD, they just do so well together with the pick and roll um we've seen so many plays where lebron just lobs it up to ad for a dunk or easy layup and they've gotten a lot of points for the team that way
0: yeah yeah it's it's it has been uh really impressive to see lebron working with a big man like that i mean i I think it obviously was mentioned a ton at the time of the acquisition but it's not a pairing we've really seen before we've seen lebron with uh kevin love we've seen lebron with chris bosch We've seen him with, you know, Ilgauskas back in the Cleveland days, Bergerow, never a big that plays with the dominant inside presence um, and above-the-rim presence that Anthony Davis does. It's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a lot different. And I think what's really different about it, LeBron has played with great scoring guards before. I mean, Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving, the, the difference, those guys are able to get their own shot off. The reason Kevin Love and Chris Bosh sort of fell to the wayside is that they weren't able to create their own shot, and LeBron wasn't really facilitating for them. I think LeBron just likes playing with an inside-scoring big man more, though. It's just it's just a lot easier when it's AD, too. Um, <laughs> how, as, how much of a focus does it seem like LeBron has in most of these games on getting AD scoring early and often on offense? I can
1: kind of see just... Uh, from the games i've watched like lebron definitely tries to pass it to ad more than the other players not like to a significant amount but you could kind of see like where where where, he, where where he's thinking when he's trying to make a pass but i wanted to ask you like for ad like what something that's might have been unexpected was just like how many times he's posted up and just ended up turning the ball over if you know what i mean like he, he 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 he's he's gone double teamed a lot so far, and he or he's forced to take like a very bad or contested jumper. What what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I, as i I've I've only seen a couple of games. I told you that earlier, but um, in the games that I've seen, I would say that I have certainly noticed that. And just looking at his turnover numbers, you can notice. I mean, you know, LeBron having four or five turnovers a game is not shocking at all, but for Anthony Davis to have those numbers is a bit surprising. He's not necessarily a playmaker or even a, certainly he has a high usage, but he's, he's nowhere near these, you know, lead ball handler, ball handler usage levels. Um, I would say a lot of that is probably just confidence building. um, One and two, a lack of other options. I, I, I think I think it's probably, to be honest, more the second that it's a lack of other options, that they're just, there's not really any, any real pick-and-roll ball handlers other than LeBron. I mean, Quinn Cook doesn't really run pick-and-rolls. I mean, Caruso, Caruso just hasn't really been producing. So I think to me it's just that if, if LeBron's not initiating the play, you're not going to get a great play. So having Anthony Davis post up is probably just the best of a bunch of pretty mediocre options.
1: Right. Yeah, I can agree. With, I can agree with that as well.
0: What's, well, I guess what's your take on it?
1: I just think I, I'm worried that long term, uh, let's say when we get to the 20 game mark, 40 game mark, um, I'm worried that AD won't be as effective like by himself compared to both him and uh, LeBron playing together. So right now with the matchups, I'm seeing Vogel, uh, he'd take LeBron out for, I'd say, with three to five minutes left in the first quarter, and then he'd have AD just play the entire quarter. I'm interested to actually see like the numbers on this and see like if AD benefits more or uh, benefits less with LeBron uh, on the bench.
0: Yeah, no, that would be interesting to note. I, I, yeah, I, I think, obviously, the biggest thing is going to be finding some way to produce when LeBron's not on the floor. I think if you have LeBron on the floor without Anthony Davis, you're not that concerned. Anthony Davis allowed LeBron, though, I mean, you're just back to New Orleans just without Drew Holiday. I mean, the team's just so good on defense uh, with or without LeBron. I think that's obviously... And we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. That's what they've been leaning on. But I don't know. I, I, I certainly get where your concerns lie. And I think, yeah, if Anthony Davis posting up ten times a game has to be part of your offense, that's bad. That's a problem. But I mean so and I wanted to point out, like, Anthony Davis had that incredible game versus Memphis where he had twenty-six of his twenty-seven free throws. That's that's just an outrageous number. So I think um, the fact that he's he is drawing pretty big foul numbers early on. Yeah, it's certainly something you want to pare down later on these post up attempts. But you know what? If you can get it to him early on, and you're not turning the ball over a lot, getting it into him. If he turns the ball over, so be it. Let him learn. But you don't want to turn the ball over like just trying to get hit in post possession. You know. I, yeah, I think those, it's. Just, yeah. I think it's worth it. To, those to, are James, which,
1: James Harden numbers, by the way. Those are James Harden numbers. The free throws, twenty six. No, I haven't seen numbers like
0: that. in a, a –
1: I mean, geez,
0: I don't know if I've seen that. You know, in the last couple of years, yeah. I, I, maybe it's happened, but I, I can't recall just seeing twenty six of twenty seven free throws. That
1: is James Harden numbers. Is almost under exaggerating it. Yeah. And if we're also talking about confidence, like you have to think if LeBron is trying to get AD to like a really high level of confidence and, you know, leading the team, if LeBron's unavailable or if LeBron gets hurt during the season for a stretch of time. Mm. Yeah. No, nah, I, <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, LeBron's always
0: been a smart guy. I mean, it, obviously, LeBron's preparing for when he's there, but he knows AD's got to prepare for life after LeBron, you know? Like LeBron's going to, be there for a few more years, a couple more years, whatever. But Eddie's going to have to probably learn to become a number one offensive option. I mean, he, he has the potential to just be dominant on both sides, to be more of a go-to scorer than he has been. I mean, he is so a more, more effective of a go-to scorer than he has been. He's been a go-to scorer, hasn't been leading his team to a ton of wins. Lots of extenuating circumstances, of course, but I, I think you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I guess the last question I had on those two was a pairing, um, and this sort of gets into the team as a whole. As I mentioned, the defense has been stellar. I'll give a f- uh, some stats on that later, but what? Ha- just, just, has there been anything you've noted just uh, chemistry-wise between Anthony Davis and LeBron or just the team as a whole that
1: has really stuck out to you or been different from last year? I'd say... Having a, a backup center in the beginning of the season compared to last year is pretty great. Uh, last year we had Cal Kuzma playing center during uh, in the early parts of the game at uh, the the season. Um, Javale McGee was like our only center back then, so I'm glad to have Dwight Howard or Anthony Davis being our two our two back our two centers if if needed. Dwight Howard though, like I I fully endorse this guy coming back to the Lakers during the off season, so. I just love how hard he's playing. Uh, I know it's only we're only five games in and uh, he might uh, the energy might fade. But I love what I'm seeing. And just watching the home games, you the crowd loves Dwight Howard as well. You know, every time he blocks or just gets a rebound, like everyone loves him for it. Yeah, we have defensively. We have just A.D., Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Just a really good like set of like defending big men. Yeah yeah I, I would certainly say so. yeah.
0: Um, and, and I think those guards, uh, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, KCP, namely, uh, that's just a really really tough guard combination, whichever those two are playing to go up against. So it's really you know that three spot that would be their weakness, at, at least in backup minutes, but you know, that's where you hope that's where you hope LeBron's going to be able to hold up at least through the season.
1: Let's hope so, man. I hope so.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's move on and talk about a couple of the other starters. Um, Danny Green. Danny Green was widely sort of touted as, at least by the basketball intelligentsia, you know, the Dave DeFore types that I I think, I think this is one of the things that's like uh, unpopular opinion, but it's actually every 90% of people's opinion. That Danny Green was, Likely the third best player on this Lakers team, uh, rather than who, who I think fans would consider to be Kyle Kuzma. I think that's probably been borne out through the first five games uh pretty clearly. Danny Green looks like the third best player. Question though, here does Danny Green look like he can be the third best player on this team and have them be in title contention? I mean, this that first game against the Clippers, especially, seven and nine from three. Uh, the game winner or the the overtime shot
1: you mentioned. I mean, it's possible. What do you think? I think right now he is, but we're we're just waiting on Kyle Kuzma to start getting um, his minutes back. Right, his starter minutes. Uh, they only played him about eighteen minutes. Uh, at the Dallas game, they didn't want to play him too much. So we're really just waiting for Kyle Kuzma to come back and to see. Uh, if he's fully recovered and if, he's, if he'll be playing in the same way that he played last season. But I think if Kuzma does get back to where he once was, I think Kuzma would be the third best and Danny Green would be fourth. Because when I think of Danny Green, I think mainly of just his shooting ability, right? I feel like Kyle Kuzma can just contribute to other parts of the game more than Danny Green can. Specifically, probably rebounding... Rebounds and assists, right? Danny Green would be the better shooter for sure, but rebounds and assists, blocks, I'd say Kyle Kuzma takes it.
0: Yeah, well, and I think the biggest thing you would point to would be, um, I mean, as you mentioned, these Anthony Davis minutes without LeBron James, um, the fact that Anthony Davis is trying to create so much with these post-ups, Kyle Kuzma is the remedy there. He's the guy that can create an extra 10 to 15 shots a game. You know, run some semblance of a play to at least get Anthony Davis an advantage matchup every once in a while. Like he doesn't need to get him in uh, an alley oop, an open, you know, dunk, but just get him in a situation where the defense is a little off balance. Kyle Kuzma can absolutely do that, um, and that's clearly where he would be able to take that third player, third best player role from Danny Green. I think a lot of it, really, with Kuzma is just positionally. You know, he's a four. You've got LeBron uh, playing three, but obviously a lot of four as well. Anthony Davis, primarily a four at this point. I do agree with you that Kuzma certainly could be the third best player on this team. And I think uh, he has become a little underrated by this, as I mentioned, basketball intelligentsia. Um, I, I I think this is just a community that likes to be right. And if you can't be the first one, just be a little more extreme think we see that a lot but I think that's happened with Kuzma and I think it's a little unfair so tell me how did Kuzma look in his first game back at Dallas what I, so I wasn't actually aware that he I so I guess I knew he was out that first game but what what happened what what I guess what's up with him what was up with him oh you know it was the, it was the summer stuff wasn't it right it was Team USA FIBA yeah. he injured his ankle I believe that's right oh man yeah the, the Bill Simmons curse well, the, the opposite of the Bill Simmons curse.
1: What, what do you mean by that?
0: Oh, he did. He had the whole uh, Jason Tatum injury situation. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. No, that wasn't very good. That, that wasn't very funny. <laughs> that was a little bit of a
1: stretch. Oh, so confused. But thanks for not confused.
0: letting it slide, though. I, I, thanks for calling me on it. That's there to be called out. <laughs> right. yeah,
1: I thought the Bill Simmons curse was like only exclusive to Jason Tatum.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, Bill Simmons' curse is exclusive to, yeah, Celtics, I believe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Let's, t- let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about Kuzma, though. What, how did he look in that game against Dallas?
1: Again, he played less than 20 minutes. First game back, he was three for eight from the field. Uh, didn't make any threes. He's, uh, made three free throws out of four. And uh, just a recap, for non-Lakers fans, like we were just terrible at free throws last year. So I just checked the team stats on basketball reference, and the Lakers are currently 79% total from the free throw line. So, very happy about that.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. No, I actually, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that was one of the stats I was going to bring up. So they're, yeah, they're ninth in the league in free throw percentage right now.
1: Pretty impressive. Yeah, and more more statistics. I, I follow a, a huge Kirk Goldsberry fan, and he made a graphic showing net efficiency rate for offense and defense. And I think Lakers are near the top in like offense and defense. So that's another like positive for the team, I think.
0: Yeah, no. So their defensive numbers have been pretty incredible across the board. A, a ninety-seven point four defensive rating on the season. That's second in the NBA. Just in terms of opponent field goal percentage, they're second in the NBA again. Opponents are shooting 40% against them. Opponents are shooting 31% from three. That's fifth in the NBA. Opponents are shooting 45% from two, uh, 45.7. So second in the league again. The only spot they're struggling, they are giving up 84.2% at the free throw line. That's last in the league. Adam, what are they going to do to step up this free throw line defense?
1: What do you mean by free throw line defense? Exactly.
0: They're gonna put some people in the crowd to like yell louder. Maybe they can get like, maybe Taco Fall can like goaltend from the side. I'm totally just joking. I'm totally joking. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, total, I'm completely joking. <laughs> yeah, okay. you're yeah. hilarious, Cooper. You're Thank hilarious. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Nah, the uh, I, I I no, I think you're right though. End of the day, that um is a good stat to point to. And actually, since we're talking about the stats, let me just go ahead. The biggest takeaway I really had was their pace numbers. Not in terms of, I, I, I don't actually, so they were 100, pretty much a flat 100 pace, 23rd in the league, but it's really borne out in their points. So they've scored 111 points per game, which is 25th in the league, which stunning to see that 111 points per game is the 25th lowest amount that's a that's just i mean i get that we're in such a huge scoring era but that's just different uh but they also hold opponents to 100 points a game which is number one in the league so just not that many possessions very very heavily defensive games as we saw with utah and the lakers so um i I do want to move on and talk about a couple of other notes i had One, you mentioned Dwight, how much the fans love him. It seems this point, he is pretty clearly ahead of JaVale. Would you say, would you agree with that, that you think Dwight is in that role? And do you see JaVale being excised completely uh, in favor of Dwight and then backup center minutes for Anthony
1: Davis? I actually prefer, I prefer JaVale starting and then Dwight coming off the bench, but I prefer both of them not getting too many minutes just to just to prevent help prevent injury later on in the season. Because if one of them gets injured, then I feel like we'd be back to just one, one center again or we'd have we'd have to give more center minutes to A D, which he doesn't want. And I just like I, I prefer I prefer just having A D as our four and another big man at, at, at the five. I feel like that's helped us a lot. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I wanna something. I wanna bring up. Uh, I I saw. I think I saw a stat saying, um, AD. I mean, Javale and Dwight, they're both like blocking leaders in the league right now. I don't know if they're number one, but like they're near the top. I think.
0: Yeah. No. I I I, I did notice uh, AD's blocking numbers were pretty. I I think AD is leading, um, the league. Last time I was just browsing on NBA.com dot com or NBA stats, whatever. Yeah, no, they, they, and as a team, they are number one in the league, 7.8 blocks per game. So I agree. I think that's a good observation.
1: More like, um, more, like more like just total swats, really. Like Dwight just like squats the ball out of bounds and like Staples Center goes crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a, so I think it's number one, it's an intimidation factor. That's a lesser extent in the pros, but. Yeah, it's really, especially if you're at home, it's that crowd. Um, and getting your teammates into it, you know? I, th- I think, you know, uh, it's like a big, big dunk. Same thing. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you have anything else you were going to say about that? Uh, no, I'm good. Let's talk about some of the backups. I think one of the things that has really worn out about this team, they may not be the most deep three through five they might not have the best fourth player in the league, but I think it is very underrated the fact that they went out and signed like they have 10 or 11 playable guys. Like they they can play 12 deep pretty safely. Like Jared Dudley is their 12th leading minutes guy. And Jared Dudley played maybe, I think he started on the Nets, a playoff team last year. So uh, that's been impressive. Just it seems like We may have underrated their bench in sort of pickups this year, probably partially just because how bad they were last year, and then obviously the expectations, but I think we've seen so far KCP has sort of set himself apart as the number one uh, of this sort of backups group in terms of the backup guards. Between KCP, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, and Alex Caruso, though, how do you see the minutes and role situation playing out I, I would imagine kcp is probably the leader of that pack but especially the three
1: between them where do you see them falling into place i'd say i'd say kcp would definitely be the veteran amongst that group I th- i'd say quinn cook would be second troy daniels alex caruso they'd be third or fourth in terms of best player i guess KCP was it was pretty interesting in the uh beginning of the season. It took him a long time to like score one basket, right? And a lot of a lot of Lakers fans were bagging on him and just they they didn't appreciate the fact that like he received about a two-year contract, I think. So he was brought back to the brought back to the team this season, but it just took him forever to score. I uh, I was I was on Twitter and I saw Eric Finke's writer for Bleacher Report covering the Lakers. He said that even though KCP had zero points, there was a game where he had a plus minus of around plus sixteen. So that just like it made me realize like maybe I should watch everything else he's doing off ball and not just like how many baskets he's scoring. Side note, his first basket was actually even a made one. It was a, a what do you, what do you call it when someone someone like interrupts your shot? Yeah. An M one? Uh, man, I'm just drawing blanks here. It's like you're, it's like the ball is already in the ba- in the in the basket, but like they swatted it out.
0: Oh, um, like interference.
1: Yes, basket, basket, interference. basket, basket, basket interference. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that was just a funny, funny side note. I think where his first that basket this season wasn't technically didn't even get in <laughs> there. It goes through the net.
0: That's a, that's a pretty KCP move right there, actually. Yeah. No, I saw I saw some – I try to, like, stay off Twitter these days, but I was, like, on it uh, yesterday, and I saw some video. Of KCP is just a little, a little gif and it was like, KCP is canceled after this shot, and he just, like, goes in the lane. He pulls up from, like, eight feet and, like, airballed it, left it, like, three feet short. God, it was so bad. Uh, I mean, when he hits, he hits, though, and he does a lot of other things well. I mean, there's, there's a reason – you know he's clearly the best of that group like that's not we're not joking you know like he's a good player
1: yeah he is a good player um but fans fans try, fans focus on you know one or two things about his game
0: and, and to be fair he does have a lot to bag on him about not only just his game the whole the the situation last year where he was on house arrest and couldn't play outside of california like that's just that's just comical you know like you can't not make fun of a guy as a fan base for that you shouldn't but you won't like right (laughs) uh, yeah no but tell me a little bit um so it sounds like you're maybe not as sold on troy daniels as i might have thought has he i i know it was more the first game where he sort of stepped up but i mean he's been taking a, a lot of threes hasn't hit a ton of them but has that gravity just not been as impactful as I would expect.
1: I'm, 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 just like not. I just want. I just, I just like to see more from him, honestly.
0: I, that's before fair. Before
1: I, I make a make a better decision on him. But so far, like not not many complaints. I guess. Definitely, I think all of our supporting cast like they're they're very solid guys. Very very good like backups to AD and LeBron. So. Yeah. Alex. No, that's- Alex and Alex Caruso. I'm just so happy for him that he managed to get uh, like an actual contract with uh, the Lakers, right? And get got out of the two way deal thing. I think he, I think he was our two way player for two seasons, I believe. So this season is his first season as an actual NBA player. Yeah. So super happy for him, and fans love him.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a huge difference in the bank account, that's for sure. And yeah, like millions,
1: is. like millions, right? <laughs> Literally millions. Literally millions. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, it's – and he obviously has sort of been the least productive of that group. Caruso has, but, I mean, he's – first of all, he's in a slightly – he's got a slightly more desirable skill set with his ball-handling ability, and you sort of feel like you should be able to fit him in at the one or the two. Um, I mean, God, with how – With how sort of weak they are at three, maybe you would put uh, Danny Green or even Avery Bradley there first. But you could even slam to three against like Portland or uh, one of these teams that doesn't have a real three. I guess I wanted to, you know, um, I wanted to touch on the idea. I think we all sort of, kind of think there's. Yeah, I guess the um, the Lakers of the Lakers. We're always going to associate them with trades, moves every free agent everywhere. How real is the idea that they could make a trade this year? Obviously, they already have, uh, or they have such financial constraints just with the guys on the contracts they have. Is there a trade to be made? I mean, is there going to be a player out there? Is there going to be contracts to match up? Or do you get the sense that the focus is more going to be on getting the best buyout candidates, the best guys in the buyout market?
1: Have we, uh, have we heard yet about the Andre Iguodala thing? Is he, is he still I, I available? I have so. yeah. not heard anything. I feel, like, I feel like he's the only one that like, every team in the league would want to sign, at least the, the ones contending for a championship. Like, getting Iguodala on your team would make it a lot better or would make you so much more competitive against uh, other teams in the playoffs. But in terms of trades... We do have a lot of players that are or that would be easily tradable, right? A, lo- a couple of them on one-year contracts and very 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 um not a lot of money on their contracts either. But I don't see them trying to make a trade unless unless something goes wrong for this season and maybe maybe try to stock up draft picks if something did go wrong this season. Yeah. That's that's reasonable. I I, I think it's,
0: you know, it's just tough to make a trade when you have – you don't really have any filler salary. Like at this point, all their guys are uh, – they're either like – I mean, so they have LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green gets paid a lot, and then a bunch of pretty low-paid guys here not really swinging for the fences. Like, what level of caliber of player are you really trading for if he's only making 6 or $7 million? And then at that point, are you just trading same for same? Like, it, it feels like if you're going to make a trade as this Lakers team, you're only doing it to make a clear improvement. You wouldn't be taking a risk on another young player by trading someone like Kuzma, for example. Um So I think you're right that a trade is not necessarily – what I would expect, um, and not even what I would advise. I, I will be interested to look and see if any guys show up on the buyout market. You're right; that Igadala would be the prime target. And even I'd sort of forgotten that he's sitting out there in in, in limbo at this point. But uh, I, I will be. It's just really difficult to have any guys. So the Lakers, if they were going to get buyout guys, they, they, what they would want is small forwards, and it's just very few small forwards that ever come on the buyout market. So this, this might be about close to the finished product. It, it, it would be tough for this Lakers team to change much, which is a lot different than what we saw last year uh, in the last couple of years, even uh, there's, there's, there's often been movement at and around the trade deadline for the Lakers.
1: Yeah. I just don't, I just don't see a trade happening unless something, something drastic happens that just changes the, future of this team i definitely want to hear from like you know other other lakers people about like what kind of trades that would the lakers be interested in
0: yeah no i think there's definitely some ideas out there i have to look more into it and i think it'll come um become a lot more clear the next you know 10-15 games you know we still don't even know really whether bradley beal's go going... actually he signed that uh contract so he's not going to be eligible for a while isn't he
1: yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah never mind God, I, I'm so I'm I'm so far behind on like all the extensions and stuff. I yeah, just read. read I
1: I recommend reading John Hollinger's pieces on the Athletic. He he writes a lot about like salary cap stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. No,
0: I I really just I might do like a whole podcast on just like the uh, the rookie extension guys. There's so many like that got them that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Like J, J, I I did not think Jalen Brown would get an extension. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Let's. Let's talk about – I think this is going to be pretty much the last thing. How – so I mentioned a little bit earlier this defense. I talked about those shooting numbers, block numbers. Just their personnel um, makes a ton of sense. How elite is this defense? Like do we see it being a top 10 defense or is it more of a top 5, top 3 defense? Um, And how does it match up against the best teams in the playoffs? So. I think the way I want to look at this and the ways of sort of in this is frame it. How are the Lakers going to look in the playoffs this year? Who's their biggest competition? And for me, I put down the Clippers, Jazz, and Rockets as the three teams I'm most interested to think of how they would match up with next season. So do you want to maybe start just by, look since we already saw them versus the Clippers and the Jazz, why don't we talk a little bit about how the defense looked against the Clippers in game one. Why don't you just tell me what was a little fluky about the defense and then what we can expect going forward in that Clippers game?
1: I'm not sure about defense in the Clippers game, but I would, I'd I'd attribute it more to just like game one opener. I I was going to say, I was going to say that they weren't they weren't playing at home, but like just judging by how many Lakers fans were cheering at a at a Clippers game was kind of makes it a home home game for the Lakers. But I just I just, I'd attribute their first game defense to just like adjusting to things and just doing executing the uh, Vogels uh, defense like out for the first time. And then comparing it to the later games, what I've noticed is that players. Um, well, LeBron, really, he, he, he's trying a little more in defense than uh, games last year, I think, which is kind of surprising. But you still have AD, Dwight Howard, DeVale. They're getting the blocks like we discussed earlier. I think our defense... Wait, so can you just repeat the question again, just to be clear?
0: Just talk a little bit about... Yeah, just in the general, how does this defense match up against the best teams, like the Clippers, uh, in right. this case?
1: Right, right, Okay. Well, first off, chemistry. Lakers were a, pretty much a brand new team, right? So we're still learning, we're still improving. Clippers are a lot more established. They have a strong foundation. I'd say, I'd say Clippers, like in a playoff series, Clippers, like are, are better than us in almost every way. We'll have to see. Definitely see. Have to see more games to make a better judgment call on that. In terms of like top five, top ten defense, I'd say right now we're top ten for sure. I'm too hesitant to like narrow. Narrow it down further, though.
0: How, who, was, um, who, who was predominantly guarding Luca in the Dallas matchup? I don't remember.
1: Okay. Uh, why do you ask?
0: I, I would just need to I, – I was just curious. Um, I, so I guess sort of to play into, I think the most interesting defensive thing is not necessarily going to be the front court, just because I think that's sort of established. Um, AD and LeBron, it's gonna be awesome. Duh. What I really want to see is if you're putting like Avery Bradley and Danny Green as your backcourt, you know, uh, or if, 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 so let's say they match up against Portland, Portland doesn't really have a three, or Denver, Denver doesn't have a three, uh, and you have Will Barton, you can go Avery Bradley, KCP, and Danny Green. Like that, that's stifling, man. Like Avery Bradley was a phenomenal one-on-one defender in Boston and I don't think he's you know I don't think he's lost that I think it's just not you know not it's not going to be there as much of the stakes aren't there Um, KCP has always been a great one-on-one defender especially on point guards Um, and Danny Green I I don't really need to speak on Danny Green's defense those much more knowledgeable have spoken plenty on it already Um, I think that that backcourt could be really really effective because you have to think I I think I saw a quote somewhere Avery Bradley talking about how the front court of AD and LeBron lets him be so much more aggressive he can like get into guys at half court or even further back because he knows if he does get beat and just completely run through AD's back there man like even that's not it's gonna be a tough shot even if he hits it so I think these guards are gonna have so much freedom to be aggressive and attack the ball handlers, um, which is going to lead into better defense in the front court. which is just going to lead into better defense in the back court. I think it's just a sort of positive feedback loop that I think is going to really pay dividends. So I'm really excited to see. I think I guess the the short version of it. I think this front court we know how awesome it could be defensively. I think pairing this awesome back court in it is what's going to change everything. I think it's similar to, we think that the Clippers are going to be awesome because Kawhi and Paul George on defense, but it's, it's um, having Pat Beverly there. That's what's going to turn it from a great defense to, like, incredible defense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and we also just have to worry about our bench defense as well. Because the Clippers, you have Lou Will and Montrez Harrell coming off the bench, and they, they've been playing great together. So... Our bench defense will probably like decide it, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think that's actually the benefit of sort of what I'm talking about with that core of three guys is uh, the teams that have those explosive bench scores, uh, bench guards at least, i.e. Lou Will. Well, if you started Avery Bradley and Danny Green, you got KCP on the bench to match up with them full time. Right? Yeah, so I, I think that could actually be one of their strong suits the Lakers is that they've got that third defensive guard and all three of those guys are, you know, solid to, I mean, Danny Green is good offensively. So they, I, I think the backcourt could be really good defensively as well, which is why I think this defense could be top three. I mean, Sixers are probably number one. Jazz are probably number two. I, I could see the Lakers being the third team regular season, at
1: least especially I'm, I'm really excited to see how it plays out. Let's not get our hopes too high, Cooper. Uh, I don't think that's unrealistic, man. I've been down this road before, Cooper, as a, as a Lakers fan. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, I just need to see more games. Let's, uh, you know, we need to talk again at 20 games at least. All right.
0: That's fair. And I'm going to hold you to that, all right? All 20 right. 20 games. Man, Adam, this was a pleasure. We went a little longer than we said, but much longer than I'm used to, but much longer than last time. So, hey, we're
1: getting there. And we talked about only one team, Cooper. Only oh. one team.
0: Oh, man. We did. Lakers are looking good. I'm excited to see where they go. Any closing words? Anything you want to plug in there? Um, uh, drop obviously, up. if you all haven't already subscribed, you should be subscribed to the Doe Post. Come on now.
1: Definitely. Subscribe to the Doe Post, K U C I colon the Doe Post on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. But also wanted to plug the draft class as well, our uh, sports business classroom project that's going on. We are responsible for the Avengers NBA Twitter mashup video that went viral when the season started. And uh, we're hopefully we get another viral tweet in the future.
0: Yeah. Make sure, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely link the podcast. Um, make sure y'all keep an eye out for Adam and his work. Adam, thanks for coming on again. It was a pleasure to talk Lakers. Um, I, I'll definitely have to have you on again soon. Any, any final words you have for the Lakers fans out there?
1: Go Lakers.
0: Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate having you on. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll see you soon. See you later. Peace.